Right, on a sunny Tuesday evening in the Still City. It's the 100th episode, Gavin, of the Pick and Roll podcast. The ton. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if anyone's still listening, um, well God done. bless you. <laughs> well done. We're still here. The last time we were on air, we were waiting for Clippers uh, Mavericks Game 7. Mm. And God knows how many things have happened, happened since then. A lot, it More seems. Uh, yeah, and uh, lots of shuffling around the NBA. Yeah, it didn't end well for Dallas, and uh, there has been repercussions. Predictably, it didn't end well for Dallas. Yeah, um, I think we kind of said we did both didn't fancy them, did we, to come through that one? But uh, um, Luca did his best, bless him. Forty-six points, fourteen assists. Dallas defense just not good enough in the end, really. No. Um, they just no. don't seem to be able to close out those three-point shooters. Um, and uh, yeah, change was looking likely, and um, yeah, the fucking. Guillotine came down on Donnie Nelson Jr. Yep. and uh, Rick Carlisle oh, Rick deciding Carlisle. to step away, which uh, I was quite surprised by. But um, if you actually step back and look at it... Not really. They've... Um, not really. It's been a while. They've not won a playoff series in 10 years, which was quite surprising when I heard that. Um, you they've know. won one since they won the title. Yeah, well, that's it, basically. <laughs> um, it's... Yeah, it's not gone well for them sort of in the post-Dirk era, has it? No, it hasn't gone well. And to be honest, um, how well did the previous 16 of Dirk's 17-year career go, if you know what I mean? it's Dallas haven't traditionally achieved. And that one year was maybe the aberration. Yeah, I mean, they got to finals, obviously, in 2006 which against Miami, which was one of the worst... Worst, finals, worst teams worst, to win the finals, yeah, you can remember. Worst yeah. uniforms. Um, and that sort of 2011 thing, everything sort of, you know, obviously they're not LeBron and Dwayne Wade off, but all that, you know, seemed to peak at the right time, yeah, didn't it? it all dropped uh, into place in the one time. Yeah. But since then it has been a, a steady regressing of the mean and a dogged insist. Like, J.J. Bray is probably still... Still fucking running around there barking and in, in tra- like ten I st- years. I still love JJ. What a bad word. So, yeah, yeah. but I mean, like basketball has moved on significantly in the last mm. decade, and maybe Rick hadn't. I don't know if it's a Rick Carlisle thing. I mean, what do you make of all this thing about obviously a bit or Bob Vulgaris, Bobby V, uh, the ex gambler? Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, you know, there's been talk that he's been kind of throwing his opinions around and maybe not wanted by certain people and stuff. Um, God knows what you make of that, but... Um, I, like I say, I, I, I don't know and I don't know whom. What I will say is that, like, at any time you're in a scenario where um, your surname is Junior and you've only got the job because of the first two name, the first two first two parts of your name, that speaks of more dysfunction. We're talking about Donnie Nelson here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's been there a while. He's been there a while. Maybe and unfair. What have they maybe done in that time? Well, I think he's got a pretty good reputation as far as sort of scouting European players and stuff. There's the whole Lithuania thing and stuff. I mean, we're talking a while ago here, but, uh, you know, the Luca pick, as good as Trey Young's been in these playoffs, I think I'd still rather have a Luca, wouldn't you? Maybe. Long term. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? That is up for grabs, and that is a testament to up Trey Young. Up for grabs now, you think? I think that's really? a testament to Trey Young. Have we gone that? Has, has the pendulum swung that no, far? No, I don't think it's swung that far, but I think it's not a, It's not a lock like it looked a couple of mm. years ago. I think 
I, I, th- I still think I'd rather have Luca long term, but um, it's a weird one, Dallas. It's they seem unable to attract free agents. Which I've been, I've been to Dallas, and it, it is quite a boring fucking place. It's not, it's not a place I'd be in a rush to go back to. All we hear about is yeah. how, how attractive no state taxes is. Really? But there's fuck all to do there. Yeah. If you like shopping malls, knock yourself out. But yeah, um, it it, is quite a boring place. But um, yeah, it's a strange one. Do you think Rick Carlisle maybe thought, look at all these jobs opening up around the league. Maybe I could just do myself a favour and get the fuck out of here. And, uh, you know, Boston's opening up, Portland possibly, Indiana. Who Uh, knows? It might just be that, like, he's done with screaming into the void yeah. trying to get but if you know yeah. like like with players he, he seems quite a petulant little fucker luca for all his skill it's... yes yes he's a weird one i don't like his weird perving on female officials and stuff either yeah that's... we've been there before yeah, yeah. But, uh, and the whole dealing with the Porzingis brothers and stuff has had quite a lot of reporting and stuff you know uh, we've made our thoughts on him clear on several podcasts. Yeah. $30 million contract, $3 haircut and all that. Well, the rest of them seem to be quick to push him under the bus as well. Like the rest of them <laughs> really did, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they couldn't really fucking wait. <laughs> Using him like a roll-on ramp. Like... Yeah, it was a strange one. Obviously, the um, Clippers going through that one went on to uh, meet the Jazz, who um, looked like they'd fucking, you know... They were going to lay the smack now and winning the first two games. Mike Conley out, but um, Donovan Mitchell going nuts. Yep. You know, ripping off sort of 45 in the first one, 37 in the second one, but um, hobbled off in game three, didn't return. And um, yeah, Clippers ripped off four straight, which was uh, mm. quite surprising, really. Yes, no. And uh, what was more surprising is that the catalyst for it was Paul George, who was possibly the person <laughs> spoke the most amount of shit about Another it. Another man. But you know what? For four games, he's, he was really good. Yeah, we've been very critical of him, if you will. Um, yeah, 37 and 16 in game five. And um, Kawhi out, obviously, yeah. with the, the knee injury and stuff. It, and yeah. uh, he actually stepped up, didn't he? Yeah, and, he uh, did what he's supposed to have been doing for the last five years. Yeah. Um, Terrence Mann, not of Field of Dreams, not but very, very much of the Clippers or, or, or the actor. Yeah. Has been huge for them, which yes. is very surprising. Well, yeah, which oh. is crazy, which is absolutely great. But he, yeah, Terrence Mann is like the third clipper. Yeah, it's uh, Mike Breen made me laugh in the game seven of that Dallas uh, series. Uh, I think he just came out with a build it and they will come, Ray, <laughs> after he'd hit a basket, which was uh, very on topic. But uh, yeah, he went off for fucking 39 yeah. in uh, in that game. Seven to 10 from three. Second round pick on the fucking minimum. I mean... That's what I tell you about picks and the people overvaluing them. Yeah, it's um, it's mental. It's, it's, it's a fucking pointless thing, this whole system where people pick players based on them being able to play a sport which vaguely resembles the one they're currently playing but has no... Not really much in the way of transferable ref- like context. Mm. It, it just it seems stupid to me that that is how you would decide. And I think if you are in any way a smart GM, unless you do see a once in a generation talent that would work for your system and your thing, that there's absolutely no real there's no value in the the draft for you. If if you're a smart team and you've got coaches that can coach players who are good enough to get to that level, uh, you shouldn't be wasting your time even worrying about the draft. Mm. Ty Lue seems to have done a really good job in the playoffs. He's yeah. seems to 
unlike Doc Rivers in unlike Philly, who will come on to, who was at the Clippers last year, uh, he's made adjustments and stuff, and he went to that really small lineup, and uh, you know, going with Marcus Morris. Is it Marcus or Marky Marcus? I fucking can't keep up with the fucking Marcus. Morrises. But um, yeah, senior, by the way. Senior, yeah. yeah. Um, That's how you get confused with his son. I'm sure no one does, but um, yeah, just going with him at centre and stuff, and yeah. just um, forcing Rudy Gobert to sort of come out and. Uh, I also think that this is, this, we've seen the uh, we've seen the ceiling on Quinn Snyder's coaching. Do you think it's that, or do you just think Rudy Gobert's defensive player of the year thing is it? Do, do you think people things? overrate the Jazz because of that? I think people overrate. And it's a regular Rudy season Gobert thing because or? he's just seven foot three mm. or whatever he is that can get lots of blocks. And he had that nice block on Morris in protector. game one, didn't he, to sort of save the game for them? But um, you know. Um, would it would it be close if there'd have been somebody to space the floor on that that point? If you know what I mean, like it's mm. yeah, that doesn't. We're kind really... of seeing this thing with Ben Simmons as well, aren't we? I, but... I think the issue the issue is that um, Quinn Snyder just didn't seem to see what everybody else can see that you can't have him on the floor when it comes to in that. certain points of the game. At certain points yeah, of the game, you yeah. can't. And, and to be honest, that also then translates to. All of the fucking game, let's be honest. Because um, does somebody have a... Like, games are won and lost at different periods. And if they're close at the end, it's because nobody managed to do that, separate themselves earlier. But often games are won by a, a two-minute spell in, in like, the middle of the second quarter. Which is why, as soon as the other team scores three baskets in a row coach calls timeout to nip mm. that in the bud because a lot of people think if you know what i mean if it's if if you've got a 10 point lead a lot of the time that'll be a, a quick run if you know yeah. a quick run that happens just like that a two turnovers and you're done your game's over potentially they certainly blew some leads utah in this i think clippers are like a, that 17 a run in game six which you know i mean what are the alternatives for sure you put Derek favors out there and he just gets dunked on by Kawhi leonard and stuff it's like it's, it's such a strange I one. I Derek Favors out there yeah. simply just because I think he's probably going to make slightly more free throws. Yeah, it's comes back to this thing: do we overvalue the regular season? Like, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. And Nobody gives a shit. Nobody scouts. Well, you just yeah. turn up. You throw some players. Have a game, lads. Is it close? Do we have to sort of worry about this? Mm. Like it's, of course, it's massively overvalued. Um, because the rosters and the leagues and the divisions are all lopsided. So it's not really a measure of anything. Mm. They all played each other the same amount of time, so in a way, then you might have some sort of record. But yeah. I mean, Mike Conley missed a lot of the series, which probably didn't help Utah. Um, do you think they'd have won it if he'd have sort of been healthy and stuff? No. No, because, again, then you're like, well, if you're going to give... If you're gonna give the, if you're gonna give the Jazz, Mike Connolly to make a difference, then what about Kawhi? Obviously, Kawhi. If you know what I mean? Yeah, for those yeah, last yeah. few games, course, like yeah. if if everybody's got a healthy roster, I don't know. That's really close. Who knows? But um, I would say that I did expect there to be more adjustments from from the Utah yeah. Jazz when it came to it. Like just throw some different looks at it when it when you, when it's obviously not working. Yeah, it's a tough one for Utah now because they're kind of all in on this. They're team. all in on all this, yeah, and that's yeah. why I mean I think we might have seen the limit on Quinn Schneider's coaching there. Yeah. So what else do you do? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much more he can do, but um, he's he looks like a cop out of like a 
early 90s sort of HBO show or something <laughs> with that hair and stuff. It's weird. Um, yeah, the Bernard Maxwell's talking a fair amount of shit on Twitter when they got knocked out and stuff. <laughs> Telling Donovan Mitchell she should get the fuck out of there. I'd even go to Oklahoma if I were you and stuff. It was quite amusing. But so. Yeah. Um, the Suns, the Phoenix Suns, the Rising Suns, the... Uh, what a fucking story, by the way, the uh, up, of them this year. But um, they made short work of the Nuggets. Short, short <laughs> work of the Nuggets. Um, Chris Paul, in short particular. Short work yeah. of the Nuggets. Hot like shit, they made short work um, of the Nuggets. He was... I mean, I've always been a big one, a very vocal one on over, like people reading too much into Denver's regular seasons. Hmm. But yeah. wow, I didn't expect them to get fucking their ass handed to them like that. Yeah, Chris Paul was in... I don't think I've seen him play this well in the playoffs before. It's been a long time he's played this well, certainly. Um, he just killed them in the mid-range and stuff. And just, yeah, he just, they had no answer for him, you know. Um, just, yeah. Yeah, scoring. I mean, it is, you talk a lot of shit and a lot of players wander in there. and But he is one of the few players who is still playing that you can say, that guy's going in the Hall of Fame. And that guy should be in the Hall of Fame, if you don't mean it. He's Isaiah Thomas with a jump shot. And there's, and there's I mean? loads of other players who've wandered into somehow going to find their way into the Hall of Fame because they blagged a ring and had a big mouth. Paul Pierce. But, uh, <laughs> but, but Chris Paul is like literally maybe the best. He's up there. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas is the only other I can like think yeah. of at that level. For dudes of are that size, who've been yeah. that dominant, yeah. Who can do that. Yeah. But also... Um, I don't know of another player who can. You look at you look at like the year before Chris Paul arrived, and then the year Chris, the following year when Chris Paul was there, and every single team he's played for has had a huge like uplift. Yeah, OKC last year, perfect example yeah. and stuff. And, yeah, every yeah. single team has this huge. The Clippers went from joke to legit contender. Yeah, and it wasn't Blake Griffin or fucking. It makes Andre the whole Jordan. it makes the whole Houston thing that much stranger, now, doesn't it? Because that was such a bad fit with him and James Harden. Um, yeah. If you actually think back reflectively and look at the style of play, you can see the frustration. You know, obviously they almost knocked the Warriors off and stuff, but um, it was never a great fit, was it? Because um, he no. needs to be that guy. It's, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, he is a point guard. He he's a, a floor general, orchestrator. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know I mean? A conductor yeah. needs an orchestra to from to and, play. Um, and Devin Book has certainly sort of felt the benefit of that in uh, even on you know, in the games Chris Paul's been out, which we'll come on to. Um he just looks so confident, doesn't he, Booker now? It's... Yeah, I I think there's a, that of as well of um you see the like clip of I think it's Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton FaceTiming Chris Paul, like literally in the tunnel the second they get off the court. Yeah. Like I think um yeah, he's done something to those dudes which which is He's given them like a belief which only somebody like that could give them. Yeah. Which makes me sort of think back on all this Clippers stuff. And it was like, everyone was qu quick to say, oh, CP3 is too demanding. He's like, Blake Griffin can't cope with him. And it's like, everywhere else it seems to have sort of worked all right. I don't yeah. know. It's kind of, maybe it's not him. Maybe it's you lot. Yeah. Not listening yeah. kind of thing. I don't know. It's, there is, there is that. There's a body it? of work which suggests. He knows what he's fucking talking about. He's got a point. long, long career yeah, yeah. that suggests. Yeah. But also, um, 
I always think I always you can divide sports people up into two types. Two types. There's those that want to win, and all that comes with it, and there's those who are just not losing. And I would rather have a team of. I give me a full team of dudes who just are not losing over guys who desperately want to win any day of the week. Because the second it becomes apparent that you might not win, then all that shit goes out that those guys just shrink and shrivel. Mm. Whereas you could be 4 0 down and some guys just are not having that. Yeah. You know yeah. I, mean? I think we've seen that in that Sixers Hawks series as well, haven't we? Yeah. Bella? So you can see the facial expressions of Ben Simmons compared to sort of Trey Young. Well, that, well, what's, like, what's crazy is that, like, in terms of sports people, um, like Australia has a very definite like national identity. The fucking little Aussie battler, if you know what I mean. Like they pride themselves in pretty much all the sports they excel at in being really tough mentally. What was that little fucker who used to play cricket for Australia called? The little tiny guy. Take your pick. He used to talk shit. They all talk shit. What was his name? That's though? the point of it. They Really fucking annoying little one though. What was his name? Which ones? Shane Warne, Ricky Ponting. Ricky Ponting. Ricky That's Ponting the one I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking some Australian Australian shit talking <laughs> in cricket is the next level. The next level thing. The greatest one was a is a a bowler. I mean a batsman. Famous. I forget his name. He was famously round, like a rotund bloke. Played at like first class Australian cricket, but never international. And there's a bowler comes down and he's giving him shit. And uh, he throws one at him and he's like, Oi, like, Dane, why are you so fucking fat? And his response was, Because every time I go around your house, fuck your wife, she gives me a biscuit. <laughs> I remember that. Like that. <laughs> I'm sure I've heard that before. Yeah. But ben Simmons doesn't have that, if you know what I mean. Uh, no, he looked he looked broke like a broken lad, bless him. There's, there's some footage all over it, you've probably seen it on Twitter, where people have zoomed in on Joel Embiid's expression as he's just passing up open junk shots yeah. and stuff. Well, uh, just literally can't believe it. Yeah, it's... we'll come on to that shortly. But um, yeah, Ooh. Denver, um, they fucking, yeah, shit the bed against uh, the Suns. Uh, definitely one step too far. But uh, did you see uh, Jokic getting ejected for uh, like swiping at Cameron Pay? Yeah. Yeah, that was a bit, oh, I think it's just frustration coming out. Not the first person that's probably wanted to smack Cameron Payne. But, yeah. but also <laughs> a, a player who's completely rejuvenated himself there. Yeah. He was he was Russ's like hand slap. He was, very much so, but, That was all uh, I knew him for until this. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Paul, 14-19 for the field in that uh, game for us, 37 points. Um, he had a belter. And uh, yeah, they're obviously now in the... Uh, in the conference finals for the first time in a long time. Mm. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, the next book series has been exciting, frustrating, hard to watch, fun to watch, and a bit of a roller coaster at times. Um, yeah, it got off to a well, great... Each other's fucking uniforms at times. I've seen that a few times this playoffs. That's yeah, where, why are you wearing black and you're wearing white? Yeah. And yeah, yeah like... There's been a few times where teams have been like, why are you... What the fuck? There needs to be a rule. Like yes. Home teams can only wear white. I don't like seeing the nets. I, no, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't because I don't like that. I don't like seeing the nets wearing black. Uh, the books wearing black and the nets wearing white on the books home court. That's just fucking retarded. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, I don't want the Lakers ever wearing white. I want them in yellow at home. Yeah. And I think there are times when that is fine, but I, I think your team has a primary color, mm. and that is what should take ascendancy in these things. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm fucking sick and tired of this light blue Denver shit. Get it over with, please. Oh, the red one as well. That's awesome. Get it That's over not with. Kit. Uh, anyway, yeah, game one was uh, PJ Stucker. PJ Stucker? PJ, TJ Hooker? TJ Hooker. PJ Tucker was thrust into starting lineup for the books and uh, they got off to a great start. Uh, James Harden going to the locker room after 43 seconds, I believe, Yeah. with the pull hamstring. Not a surprise if you saw... Um, he looked like he was wearing a chastity belt under his uh, uniform. He's, yeah, uh, he he's, he's, he's put he's put a he's put some tonnage on. Uh, he, he's not looked in good shape, has he? Um, I think we said on the last podcast we'd be amazed if Brooklyn made it through his playoffs with uh, all these three guys uh, not missing games, and it's kind of proved to be the way, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd have put fucking money on that yeah. all day long. Got with three crocs are not going to start getting healthy towards the end of their careers. Mm. It just doesn't happen that way in sports. We've got I mean, the whole of history to show. Yeah, I mean, the Kyrie thing was pretty accidental. Um, not a great deal you can do about that, but um, you knew one lot, of them though, was going to be injured. If you know what I mean, it happens a lot. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe in accidents. Well, he kind of came down on Yanis's ankle, didn't he? It's like, what can you do about that? Go I don't know. In that, if you know I don't know. There's, there's, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I agree with that, but... Uh, I yeah, yeah I, I, the fact is it happens a lot. That is irrefutable. It does seem to happen a lot but, uh, with him, but... Um, hang on, let's get my notes here. And yeah, I don't think he... Yeah. But, um, when was the last time Kyrie played a full season? Well... Sophomore year? There's a track record here, isn't there? Is it like five playoffs in a row where he's not really... You know, yeah. since the, he hit that shot against the Warriors, he's not really had any big playoff moments to speak of, moments. has he? No. So, uh, any moments. I mean, I love watching the guy. I think he's fucking incredible. He's one of my favourite players to watch in the league, and I, think, I don't mind all the other bullshit. It's I think just... he's. I think he's in, like, yeah, he's the best person you'll ever see put spin on a layup. Yeah, but is is that? Look at it this way: Is he as good at that as Craig Hodges was at taking three pointers? And is that as valuable a skill as being able to make three-pointers like Craig Hodges? I, I think we, there's just a lot of hype because it looks all flashy, bouncing the ball backwards and before, but it's two points at the end of the day. Like, and yeah, give me somebody who can make a consistent mid-range shot over that. Devin Booker? Huh? Yeah, Devin Booker. Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann. But yeah, I've said it before. Oh like, I don't God. know how Carrie got a shoe. It's it, he's just sort of, it, it's like the least accomplished career for what. It, well, he's got all there. World class handles. That's what Nike are looking at. You know, world class. Get an and one. Get an and one tour then, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Are you going to beat the professor on YouTube? I don't know. It's getting tough when it's year five. I, I do admit of you know, playoff failures and stuff. It's. Um, Health is a skill. Yeah, yeah. Attribute, Looking know. after yourself is important. I don't know. Yeah, some crazy games in this series. Um, Harden came back in game five. Books were up at the half and just attack the fucking guy. He can't move. I, I yeah. didn't get it. This is Again, Coach Bud. Coach uh, Bud. Coach, if you will. Uh, use that term loosely. How but, do you um, call him? Yeah, what, what are you thinking? Master, just fucking attack the guy. Bud at this point? I don't know. Bloke with a whistle? Um, yeah, Yanis uh, dropped that pass on Middleton at the end that could have tied the game. So they really fucking blew that one. Yep. And uh, it looked like it could be over from that point. Um, obviously, they won 
game six, Harden looked a little bit better. You know, still 50% or so. And Yanis uh, was getting to the rim more because there's not... <laughs> is there anything more frustrating watching him pull up for yeah, a three or yeah. a mid-range jump shot? I mean, for fuck's sake, what's the... Is that his decision? Is that the coach's? I don't know. Tell him to stop fucking taking them. How You're he doesn't... 28% three-point shoot of your career. Stop fucking taking them. I don't, I don't How get they're it, not is. trying to get him to be Bill Russell or Lou Alcindor. Like, yeah, like yeah. that era, Kareem. <laughs> no, but I mean that, that like that yeah, era, because that's what it reminds yeah, me. Yeah. Like he's not going to be Skyhook late, Kareem. Like that era. How they're not trying to do that, I do not know. How he doesn't have an array of post-up moves, I do not. It know. is incredible. I watched a thing that you know, b-ball breakdown guy. Yeah, Coach yeah. Nick, whatever. It's like a Simpsons character. Uh, he had a thing about how they fucked his shot up since his rookie year. Because you actually watch, he had like a really good, nice, sort of clean release and dipping yeah. his hips and stuff. And they've, comp- I don't know if it's him or the coaches, they've completely fucking broke his shot. Like, to the point where he's never going to be a, you know, shooter. three-point no, shooter. No, he's not a shooter. But who is it that's all? That's all. Kevin Durant is. And what at what cost does that come at? But if you actually watch the videos, he could have been. He was all right. He's actually regressed. It's just a frustrating yeah. thing. It's, um, yeah, it's a strange one. But, um, yeah, game seven was uh, very entertaining. Um, a wild one. The yeah. overtime one. It was, yeah. Um, Jeru Holiday really struggled and then hit that big three down the end and... Uh, that weird after timeout play where uh, Brooke Lopez kind of just, I don't know what that was. Brooke Lopez has had a very strange series. I don't think it was his fault necessarily. But Peaks and troughs is watching well, Brooke They kind of Lopez. chucked him a flaming bag, but I, I can't understand why he didn't just throw it at the rim rather than kind of throw it away. Yeah. It was, uh, But yeah, if, if that's what you're coming up with out of timeout, I was just like... You should be out of a job. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just as a coach, just really. Yeah. Like you kind of won that game by fluke more than anything else. It was, um, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'd be far from confident as a Milwaukee fan going forward. Yeah, yeah. No, and um, well, to be honest, I watching watching all of that seemed quite a lot like, I mean, not to reserve judgment and all. Well, I will reserve judgment for now, but I, Steve Nash looked to be. Pretty much the same. Rookie coach. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, but I mean, is, is Steve Nash there for X's and O's? Or is he there just, I don't to, think he is, no. just to try and maintain some sort no. of order in that dressing room? I think that's... Fucking ego. I think that's why Mike D'Antoni and Imi Idoka whatever sat yeah. beside him. You know, it's... Um, it's like the Warriors when Steve Kerr was out. I can't remember when Luke Walton yeah. took over. and They kind of didn't really need coaching. Yeah, they yeah. They sort of won all those games despite the fact he was out. Obviously, it's not the playoffs and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how anybody... What do, what do, how do you get somebody to deal with trying to stick three hot air balloons into one phone box? <laughs> exactly. Which is <laughs> what, what their ego is. It's what that dressing room is. Like, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Do you think... Um, obviously, just going back to that game, the KD foot on the line for the three which became a two, was the big thing. And obviously, they just ran out of gas, didn't they, in the overtime and stuff. Um, do you think the Nets win that series if they don't get rid of Jarrett Allen and he's their sort of centre and just offers some kind of rim protection instead of KD's mate? Uh, instead of DeAndre Jordan yeah. being on the team, um, you, do you think the outcome's much different? Um I think it's somehow ironic that everybody's now going to talk about how they like the elephant in the room is that they are going to spend the off season trying to find a player that's exactly like Jarrett Allen. Exactly. Who isn't yeah. Jarrett Allen because yeah. they let him go? 
which is just to appease their superstars. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it may well have been different, but uh, I think what you see there is when you've got like a salary cap in that situation, there's always the problem of when you overload it with players like that. You then it takes an injury or two, and suddenly you find, yeah, you might have three really good players, but the rest mm. of your roster's made up with seven fucking just like wow. Obviously, not having Spencer Dinwiddie as well wow. didn't help, did it? Um, no, no, yeah. but I'm not sure. But what does Spencer Dinwiddie do in that? Like, how many minutes does he get on this Nets team? Then, wow. yeah, it's... when he's on the floor, who's giving him the fucking ball? Mm. What does he do with the ball? If you know what I mean, yeah. like. That's the thing. Not that kind of team, is it, that requires a Spencer Dinwiddie? Well, complementary yeah. parts in mm. any way. So mm. I, I don't really know how that works. Mm. I don't really know how that works moving forward. And as I've said, I'd be looking to shot Kyrie to bring in something complementary. On the other hand, if he was healthy, Hardenal's healthy, big ifs, obviously, mm. they'd have probably fucking walked away to a title this year. But... Potentially, potentially, but potentially not. Potentially not. You, like, they can't all take 50 shots a game. Like, mm. it just it's the maths. There aren't more shots in the game, if you know what I mean. They're not playing three seconds or less. But so, for moments there when Kyrie and KD were hitting, it looked like they were never going to miss. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, it was very fleeting. But... Of course. And mm. that is that is the story of mm. careers. And if you mm. can get all that to coalesce into one mm. coherent lump for, they were hoping, two months at the end of the season... And that didn't work. Mm. And that didn't work. Like, so I, I don't, I just don't see that that's a successful, it's it's not a dynasty. Or dynasty, even, yeah. Um, right, we'll have a short break and uh, we'll hit on some of these other series. Sixers Hawks ended up being far more entertaining than I could have imagined. Wasn't it just? Um, Woo! <laughs> the Atlanta Hawks. Woo. We've talked bare shit about Atlanta. Yeah. Um, the boy Travis, Schlank, Schlank. Mr. Strickland. Um, I think we're going to have to take some kind of advert out in the local Atlanta newspaper and offer our apologies. Uh, because here they are in the conference, the conference finals. finals. Who'd have thunk it? Um, Trey Young, another man who we've talked a fair amount of shit about. I mean, I'm warming to him. <laughs> no, I'm not warming to him, and that's what I like. <laughs> that in a world of players desperate to be liked, or or like to play a cartoon pantomime villain like Patrick Beverly, because it's the only way you can hang on in some ways. That he's actually sort of legit becoming like a heel. Again, it's the playoffs. Yeah. Everything gets magnified playoffs, and everything's more need, fun. I'm not bothered about Rick Flair. Well, yeah, I'm not bothered about watching the Atlanta Hawks in the regular season. Yeah. Give me the playoffs where there's, you know, there's something at stake. It all gets amplified and uh, you see the true colours of these guys and uh, he's loving it. He's yeah. having a lovely old time. Well, that's what I mean. He's really risen to the occasion. He really has, yeah. He really has risen to the occasion. And, yeah, um, yeah he's sort of really like inhabited that role. And yeah, I, I really like that. They I came like out and uh, they were smashing them in game one. Um, 
went like a 70 no run. Philly fans were booing. Yeah. I think they were up by like 20 at half time. Hubie was on that game. He was all over it. He was loving it. And then they nearly blew it at the end of the game on. For yeah. some reason, they acted like they'd never seen a trap before and stuff. And just kept, just kept yeah. fucking up and stuff. But um, yeah, managed to sort of see that out. And uh, lost game two uh, when Shake Milton got hot. Um, Embiid had that 40 piece in game three. Danny Green. Uh, went down in that game and that Big. proved to be surprisingly yeah because he you know, you well, know he's he getting up shoot. he's he getting up shoot. well he's getting up there in years but at least he could stay in front of guards defensively which really came back to sort of haunt Philly because uh, <laughs> Kevin Huerta 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 uh, and Trey Young um, Philly scorched. <laughs> really had no answer for Torched. them did they yeah and, uh, by and Bogdanovich when he was healthy um, to Philly could just yeah they could never really sort of get in front of the Hawks guards in the series and that I think that proved to be the thing that and Ben Simmons being obviously the the fuck up <laughs> black hole offensively that he was uh, but um, tough times for Philly yeah yeah, yeah. they've spent massively uh and done a lot of moving again to get this team, which was supposed to be championship worthy, but it's nothing like championship worthy. And then so then they bring in a coach because it's not the coach. So we'll get Doc because he won one once 15 years ago. So, you know. Mm. That um, Celtic site is looking increasingly fluky, isn't it, as we it go is, on here? As much as I like Doc Rivers yeah. as, a, as a human being or whatnot, um, yeah, it's not been a great track record in the playoffs since has it no. let's be fair no and so so yeah so it's i don't know what they do everybody's tied everybody who's there is pretty much tied into a long ass deal <laughs> except for their decent pieces who are all on like, like the likes of shake milton i don't what do you do what do you do there yeah i mean i think there's been a lot of talk of them getting rid of simmons and for what now? You've just devalued him publicly. Well, there's always a taker, isn't it? I mean, Doc Rivers and Embiid's comments after the game were mm. complimentary, that's for sure. You know, they were saying, some, someone guy asked Doc Rivers, like, can Ben Simmons be the starting point guard on a championship team? And he basically refused to answer, which is, yeah. you know, not ideal. But um, considering they probably could have had James Harden. God knows what that does for you, but um, um, it's just so, such, well, you know James Harden is not afraid to shoot. Mm. Literally, uh, that's where it got to. He's passing up layups in Game Seven. Game yeah, seven's. passing up open layups. Yeah, that like, was incredible. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I sure heard Roger Bell use the word "yips" to describe it. If but, you know what I mean. And I was like, yeah. "Wow, Roger knows." But yeah, it's it's Markel Fultzish. Yeah. It's uh, it's not good. Yeah, the fans were booing him off, and you could hear the announcers saying, "Don't throw drinks and stuff on the yeah. court." Which you know, um, three shots in the fourth quarter in the entire series, uh, none in the last four games. I mean, that is yips, isn't it? If, yeah. if you want to call it that. Well, he looked, the, the only way you can describe him is he looks shook. We didn't want to get to the line. He didn't want to shoot. Didn't so. want to get to the line. Didn't want to shoot. Yeah. And it, it's this rod he's made for his own back. At this point, he's essentially Michael Kidd Gilchrist without the balls and slightly better handles. And slightly better defensively. But again, yeah, it goes Michael back. Michael Kidd Gilchrist was a well, fucking lock for a few years. It goes back to this thing of what we're saying. 
he's a regular season player, isn't he? Yeah. He's not a flat track bully. A playoff player. Flat yeah. track bully. Great against Orlando on a windy night in February. Yeah. But... Nobody's asked. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's um, turned up. The lack of a point guard as well, because he's supposed to be a point guard, but the more you watch Philly, in crunch time, it's Embiid initiating the offense, and this is how he ends up with like eight turnovers a game, because yeah. he's trying to initiate from the three-point line. Whereas, going back to what we were saying about having a you know, a team with a point guard, a power forward, also, you're not, not trying to get 1980s here, but... Get down low. Do you know what I mean? And get a fucking point guard who can get Embiid the ball in the paint where he can fucking back in and bully people. You don't want him initiating the offense at the three-point line and pump faking and stuff. And there was so many times in those games where I'm like, what the fuck? Embiid's um, got the ball and he's he's, he's 30 feet from the basket and he's pump faking. And there's there's six seconds left on the shot clock. Do you know what I mean? I I think this goes back to the the thing I was trying to get at earlier when you were like, would so-and-so have made a difference. If X mm. person is in, mm. Y happens. But Imagine if they'd but, had Cal Lowry for But what I, what know, I think happens so. is, is that the playoff basketball is far more about emotion than anything else. And what Embiid offers is two points when you need two points down low. And he, they weren't using it like that. Mm. If, if In a way, that, that's what Shaq did, if you know what I mean. Like, we, can, we can nip your little run in the bud Boom, two points. Like, oh, you made a three, we'll go back two points. Guaranteed, boom, every time. But like, yeah, yeah. You not... know you've got something to go to. Kind yes, of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. That, and that gives your teammates confidence. Yeah. It also, why, like, it grinds like a and There's jab. no reason why you shouldn't be able to do like that. Like a Klitschko you know jab, I mean? if you know, I'm there all night, in your face. But it's not that complicated, is it? No. You know? I don't want to see him trying to do Euro Imagine steps. Mo Cheeks being on that. Team now, and obviously one for the teenagers there. Obviously, but just someone to get him the ball in the right position so he can just back into fucking uh, Clint Capello and just fucking dunk you over him. Or any you know amount I mean? of like good point. It could be Ish Smith. Do you know what I mean? I, I was it thinking be... of Ish Smith. <laughs> of course you were. It I was thinking got... of Ish Smith. Myself. But anyone, just someone like that, and they just didn't have that on that Sixers team. I mean, Seth Curry had a fucking amazing you series. Could bring back the ghost of Jameer Nelson again. He really could. Uh, Seth Curry, he shot like 59% from three or something. It was ridiculous. But yeah. he's obviously not going to stop anyone on the other end. But you've got to have him on the floor because Simmons can't fucking shoot. It's That's the trade-off. It's just, I don't know. Doc Rivers just looked like a very frustrated man. and It's a very strangely... Daryl Morey's been quite quiet since he went to Philly. Strange, though, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe he's um, on. Maybe he got put. Maybe that was part of the, the contract. I don't know. But um, yeah, Clint Capella, he's old. Houston centre. Kind of come back to Horning. The guy, tra- the guy traded away for Robert Robert Covington. But, yeah. um, Absolutely wrecked him. Has there ever been a better thrower of the lob pass or the floater than fucking Trey Young? By the way, it's just incredible. Like when he gets into that, yeah, you know that area. And put just one, what do you do? He's put one up that he put one up last night or two days ago. Whenever that game was, now I'm lost in the time. Two days ago, yeah. yeah, yeah. He put one up right towards the end for Clint Capella yeah. that looked. All the world, you've just given that to Embiid. I remember it, yeah. You've just given like that it, to Embiid. It was perfectly floated, wasn't it? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just, Embiid looked like you've just given that to him. Why have you done that? And that left-handed, long-ass, straight-arrow entry pass yeah, found yeah. him right under the hoop. Yeah, that was a beauty. That was stepped wide to get the, the leverage for it. It was a really, really good play. Mm. Do you think him and Capella and John Collins are too similar for them to pay Collins to come back or... Has Collins shown enough? 
I mean, I, I really like John Collins. I, I really like John Collins, but again, it's he values and floor. complimentary yeah. pieces. Can you find someone at half the price who can do mm. 80% of what he does? That's the well, thing, I guess. Well, isn't also, it, but... can you use, can you find somebody at half half the hype that can do half the hype, maybe three years <sighs> older, if you know what I mean, and half the potential wage that can do that sort of stuff? Yeah. Which, if you're a good organisation with good coaches, I think you can mm. always, if you know what I mean. There's a G League now. Mm. Nate McMillan, by the way. Great coach. What a job. By Nate McMillan, yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I usually don't like the, um, you know, when they do the Nate coaches. McMillan teams? I don't normally like. Not that, no, you know, when they do the coaches' corner on their broadcast yeah. and stuff and they kind of go and he usually just say some rebound guys I get back but he actually seems to quite open up a bit and I've just I've just really enjoyed listening to him and stuff mm. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great I'll tell you what I really, really did good. enjoy uh, the, uh, the play towards the end where Danilo Gallinari poked it out of Embiid's going all the way yeah, around yeah, yeah. and then and got and the dunk to finish yeah, it. Yeah. I was like when Danilo's doing that there's something happening I love it he's wearing like some Looks like 2004 red Adidas kind of superstars <laughs> or something. It's like, no, where they come from? No one's wearing them anymore. It's great. Cracky. I like it when they match in the unis. But yeah, the Hawks, fucking hell. Any Hawks fans out there, accept our, all our apologies mm. and uh, and more because... Uh, Hawks and Suns finals. They've been great. We, we do. We really do. I'm It'd be fantastic. The eye to all this bullshit. Yeah. Um, just catching up on news and stuff. A lot of coaching vacancies since we were last on air. Stan Van's got the boot in New Orleans. Not surprisingly. They're going to keep uh, giving coaches the boot until they work out that yeah. Zion Williams ain't, ain't the one. Williamson. Williamson, a, yeah. sorry. That's all right. Every time. I know. Uh, yeah, are we sure David Griffin's a good GM? Or did you just write that letter? What time for clear? I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not are convinced. we sure David Griffin's a good GM or did Lebr- was LeBron born in Cleveland? Yeah, I'm going to. Is that is, is that it? Um, yeah, New Orleans, Dallas, Boston, Portland, Indiana, Washington, um, all got job vacancies. So, so yeah, pretty, we're getting on a third of the league. Yeah, Luke Walton must have some photos of someone in a compromising com- position. He's like Adibay, yeah. He, yeah, he's still got a job in Sacramento, fuck knows how, but, um, but yeah. Uh, Clippers, Suns, we've already had game one. No Kawhi, no yep. Chris Paul, um, COVID stuff. Oh, I don't know when either of them are going to be back. Seems odd. We had some boogie cousins, which was weird. Felt like I was going back in time. Yeah, very uh, weird. But um, oh. yeah, Devin Booker just killed them. Did uh, Did you see any of that? Yeah. Uh, bits of it. I was mm. watching it at work, and then I had you... to do some actual work. So <laughs> I had to go back and re- like watch the highlights of the middle of the game. Basically. He looked like Bernard King for a while. Yeah, no, Mid-range just... fucking killer in his purple shoes. Just. Uh, yeah, 40, 13, 11. What a time to have your first career triple-double. Um, he wasn't fucking about, was he? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Take that. Seemed like we're kind of just on the verge of this sort of new wave of sort of youngsters coming through, the the Bookers, the Trey Youngs, the Yo Kitchers, and yeah. the Donovan Mitchells, if you will. Seems like not torch being passed by any stretch because there's still some legs in some of these veterans, but there's definitely a new wave of kind of these youngsters like, making their mark on the playoffs yeah. which is nice to see yeah. uh, players who we've definitely questioned because we've only ever seen them in the you know the regular season which is kind of like oh, fake basketball if fake you will, basketball <laughs> like college basketball or yeah something. checkers as opposed to chess if you will yeah, Gavin. But, yeah. Um... 
Josh Coins with us. Uh, not spoken for a while. I think it was a lockdown, sort of last year. It must be over a year ago. Seems a lot longer. Um, but um, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, you've just reminded me how strangely time has moved since the last time we spoke to each other. But I believe we ran down on some um, Celtics finals memories, which were uh, were, were a very welcome, fond um, a trip down memory lane for me. Yeah, it seems like a sort of bizarro time that now. Uh, yeah, really, it, really does. It, uh, it was very strange, but um, a season to forget, really, for Boston in terms of overall performance and the uh, the ups and downs and the the movements in the front office and whatnot. Well, as a keen follower for of, of the NBA, I'm sure that you're more than aware that um, this has been a fake season and nothing really matters. Um, <laughs> it certainly no, feels uh, that way at the moment. That's for sure. <laughs> I certainly know it has been, um, obviously, a hell of a lot of unexpected um, dysfunction. Uh, but the primary thing that I keep returning to, and this sounds like absolute excuse 101, is that the team didn't have a healthy team all year. So they, they literally, the full roster was never present at any point of the season. You know, and uh, the most affected team in terms of COVID uh, protocol uh, affecting a team so they, they had the most covid days so to speak um and obviously that is, those two are two two kind of primary reasons but as we know like a large chunk of it is just pretty poor roster building when you're trying to contend yeah it's been pretty turgid i mean I'm- I'm sure you see me ranting on Twitter about oh god not another Boston game on a on a Sunday and stuff on <laughs> prime time man. but it's not been great viewing has it no as a sort no. of uh, a product if you will no and you're not the only one um I think that a lot of people expected the you know I guess Sky Sports seemed to expect the team to be a lot better than they were yeah. when they were and obviously it has a lot to do with the kind of large presence of Boston Celtics fans in the UK I suppose but it, yeah um it has been tough um there seemed to be a bit of a strange thing where I mean I'm always a fan of kind of calibrating your timeline the timeline of your team so if you think about it technically this team is probably on the right timeline um, in terms of the key players being the right age except from a a few kind of veterans that they brought in Um, but the problem with that is that you've got two of the young guys that are absolute you know planets better and more advanced than the others so it ended up being a team carried by two young men um, who, and and then basically a bench full of guys who aren't even ready to compete in the league yet. Yeah, I mean, the timeline got muddled somewhat with the sort of Kyrie thing, didn't it? And the Al Horford thing, who, <laughs> surprise, surprise, is, is back now. Well, come on. Yeah. Me. But, um, yeah, um, I mean, you, they've still really, you know, got two key young pieces to build around there, haven't they? And um, that's not going away anytime soon, you'd imagine. But um, it's just, yeah, as you say, filling out around that and finding some kind of cohesive offensive system, if you will, going forward would seem to be uh, why Brad Stevens has possibly moved upstairs. Um, were you yeah. surprised by the sort of that appointment? I mean, I think most people were, weren't they? Oh, my God. I mean, what a day on Twitter that was. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, so 
what what I was like when the Danny Ainge news came out, I was like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah. You know, I, I have felt that this is on its way um, for a, an absolute, you know, a plethora of reasons. There there were uh, health issues that Ainge was having where it was clear that like he wasn't quite at the level he was in terms of being able to invest himself into the role, um, and then. Just on the back of that was the um, horrendous kind of um, reputational punch that the Celtics uh, fans took um, from um, what um, certain ex-player said in an interview. And obviously then, you know, rightfully, some Celtics fans started to look inward as to why that reputation exists. Um, And then... Ainge backed that up by saying, like, he's never seen or heard of it when Marcus Smart, the basically the, like, spiritual leader of the team, had openly said in an interview that he has. Um, so yeah. I think the, the writing was on the wall for Ainge. And then, but then, I mean, I couldn't believe what, ha- what happened afterwards. I, I really didn't see it. For me, I mean, it's all starting to make sense to me now in hindsight. But at the time, I was thinking... Stevens just seems to be a real coach's coach. And I thought, you know, this guy absolutely loves what he does. And the move upstairs was really, really surprising um, to me. It, really, it was like the element of the story that really, really hit, like in a really strange way. But then over time, I've started to think, well, maybe actually that's not what he does love. He got a reputation as a guy who can really galvanize young talent, right? So um, obviously at Butler, he did that and he massively exceeded expectations by getting that uh, Gordon Hayward-led team to where they were. He was able to get that program that no one expected to be in the final to the final. um, And that was where he picked up his reputation. Then in his first few years in Boston, um, he was the guy, I always go back to it, probably mentioned it a hundred times on Twitter. He was the guy who got Jordan Crawford to win player of the week. Um, <laughs> and he was the guy that was making the most out of these like diamond in the rough style players, these young players that nobody, everyone had kind of given up on. And that was the reputation that really he gained that people then misunderstood as, a, as maybe a championship level coach, because even though he did continue to exceed expectations by getting these guys to the Eastern Conference Finals, the question mark started to be raised as to, you know, can he push them over the edge? Um, and that was the question, you know, that was the cloud that was hanging over him. But at this point in his career, at the age he's at, I couldn't believe that he did it. Um, but then maybe that kind of love for galvanizing young talent and developing and recruiting, maybe that was the aspect of the job he liked in the first place when he was in Butler, not the actual sitting on the side every night wanting to kind of eat your clipboard. Yeah, I think the age thing's the key thing, as you mentioned. It's that that was the most shocking thing, I think. You know, it's usually a move, you know, a coach makes, you know, when they're approaching fifty, not you Yeah. Know. Uh, whatever. Um, he's four. He's forty-four. Even though he look, he still looks like a teenager. But <laughs> yeah, he still looks about eighteen. The, the the yeah, you're right, and um, you know that's that, that's the part that really surprised me. You know, he's he's still got plenty of coaching years that he could have had, and then maybe logically, uh, if his career was still going well, he could have moved upwards. Um, but let's just—I mean, my main concern is he's reiterated yesterday that no matter who he um, hires. He won't be hanging around. I 
I feel like it's actually quite a difficult, a potentially difficult situation for someone to step into Brad Stevens' um, role that he kind of picked up a fairly decent reputation in um, whilst he's kind of watching from the window upstairs, if you know what I mean. Yeah. What, what would you like to see change the most about sort of the way the team plays sort of stylistically, offensively or defensively? Will I mean, I think it's, I think the problems are, kind of be more on the offensive end, haven't they? Mm. I would like to see, yeah, I'd like to see a lot uh, quicker ball movement and I'd like to see less dependency on um, on isolation play, yeah. Which, yeah. which really became the kind of, oh God, we have not got the personnel to execute any kind of, like we're not hitting shots, we're not spacing the floor effectively, no one is actually biting on our, on our space anyway. Yeah. So we're just going to give the ball to these two guys and let them run. It became very predictable, didn't it? That's for sure. It really did. And I think that um, one underrated aspect of it is that, you know, Stevens has immediately made that mental trade um, that has brought back Al Horford. And, and I think that actually, uh, offensively, at his time in Boston, he was a bit of a hub. People could uh, play through Horford. He was a great passer. He's a decent passable shooter. And at his ripe old age, I think that he could actually improve ball movement because Kemba Walker, unfortunately, was another guy who relied on athleticism and isolation play. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a little bit more wiggle room in terms Definitely. of adding players, doesn't it? I mean, I think Al's only owed like 50 million over the next couple of years, where Kemba was mm. owed like 70 million. So, you know, it you don't have to trade the likes of Marcus Smart or whatever, um, yeah. you know, to kind of bring in a bit more help. But um, And can it, you can extend Fournier. Um, but, but I think that I ultimately think that basically the next few things that we're going to see from Stevens will be a play to try and get Beal. Just bringing Gavin here, who would you kind of like to see? You know, give us your sort of top coach you think could come in here and sort of make the difference. Does it need Rick Carlisle or does it need a sort of new voice I, I, or um I, I don't know i think i think it it would be i think it's a difficult one because of the age of stevens like somebody like carlisle might that's got to be a difficult relationship to manage i would say from somebody who was essentially i don't know if or, or all the reasons but like walking away from coaching so young doesn't exactly speak of like supreme self-confidence or, or being that guy that those people that tend to get to that very top level yeah. sort of have that. So I think it'll probably be somebody more in like the Stevens role, like that that sort of mould. Becky Hammond or someone like that who's kind of not had that top job before. Or... Yeah, I think um, more than somebody who's far more established. Yeah. Than, say, I think it just makes it really difficult, that sort of dynamic there. Just not. I, I don't think the piece exists that can plug in, and I think, uh, yeah, I think Tatum and Brown are. I think they're maybe a little bit too similar, and in order to get the franchise further on, I think that I have to make a difficult decision on one of those two. In order to say get somebody like Beale or something, you have to give something up, and I just I don't. Yeah, yeah I I think it might be. Whilst they're both valued highly, and this is something that um, I'm big on this because, like the Blazers, I've been saying for years they should trade should have traded CJ whilst his whilst his value was high because him and yeah. him and Lillard were too similar. 
So you need somebody of a similar sort of caliber, but complementary. Mm. If you don't have the massive, attractive market and um, that kind of thing to, to to pull players in to build a decent sort of like winning formula, I, I just think when I watch Tatum and Brown, they are very similar and do very similar things on the floor. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. I, I don't necessarily agree with them being that similar. Obviously, they serve some of the same purposes, but I think they can coexist. I just, it'd be really interesting to see what well, they'd I, be I think like they can with coexist. Them. I think it's a question of like value and what you can yeah. bargain oh, to bring yeah. something back. I don't, of, of, in a dream world, you'd keep the pair of them. But mm-hmm. I mean, what would the other asset have been really? Kemba Walker? But he's just gone for a bloke who visibly and audibly was like, I didn't like my time there. Are you are you telling me you wouldn't accept Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and all the picks they have at their disposal for Bradley Beal? Uh, how many picks is left now? How though? many picks? Yeah, this yeah. is the question. What we got? Is left the here? cupboard bare? Or? <laughs> the I mean, two the second rounder, I think, is the next one they have. <laughs> uh, this is the thing we banged on about for years, and Gav especially of just like picks, 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 picks. I mean, obviously. You know, he he worked a worldie with the Fultz trade and stuff, and um, and you can't complain about having sort of uh, no. two young studs like this. As a, a lot of franchises would be envious, but um, they weren't all they were cracked up to be, were they? Uh, a lot of those picks, you know, the Memphis no. pick and the Sacramento pick didn't really pan out In many the ways, way they it's, hoped. It's and impressive stuff. that he that they got two picks that have retained such value. It's yeah. rare that anybody picked in the top ten manages to retain value over five or six years. Yeah, that's true. I mean. The the really interesting thing is that um, I think that sometimes when people say you know the Celtics didn't hit on on the Brooklyn picks, I mean they obviously turned those two into what they have become, and those two guys are obviously like key assets. Um, but nobody on look as much emotional attachment as you want to um, as as much a kind of sentiment as you want to attach to Isaiah Thomas, um, nobody. You know, would have said no to the trade for Kyrie. No, absolutely, and that obviously included the other Brooklyn pick. So, if we're not looking through, kind of like you know, if we're not looking at it with revisionist history, that that is a good trade. You know, it's you obviously can, every franchise has fuck ups. You know, look at Philly yeah. at the minute. I mean, my God, um, you know, <laughs> I'd rather. Yeah. You know. But but for the hit rate of you know top picks, I actually think having two stars is actually an incredible return on what they got for the Brooklyn trade, personally. But you know, um, who would you is. like to see as coach, Josh? Is anyone particular you think right come in and kind of get this offense humming and um, sort of just be a breath of fresh air? I mean, I find uh, I really like Rick Carlisle for this role. I don't know about you, but um, I like Rick. Uh, when, when Carlisle came up, I I thought. Um, you know, when the when the news came out, I thought you know, ex Celtic um, history with the organisation, very 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 good reputation around the league as a coach. But my, uh, I think that there's a key thing that these that the Celtics are doing, um, and I think what they want to do is they want to hire someone that they feel can relate to the players. Um, I feel like being able to, I mean, I think that's half of the job in this league and across sport now, or, you know, with these like millionaire athletes, you need to be able to work with them. You need to be relatable. You need to be a shoulder for them. And you also need to find a way to lead them. It's very difficult. 
But I think basically what they need is someone they feel like they can relate to in a way that they weren't able to with Stevens. Um, and for me, I think that's uh, probably going to be a, a, a head coach of colour. And I think that does play a part, um, especially with the kind of cultural leader they have in Jalen Brown putting tweets out such as, you know, analytic, the tweet read, analytics, seven NBA teams are remaining f- uh, for, uh, it's terribly written for Jalen Brown, he's a very smart guy. <laughs> Seven NBA teams are remaining, four are led by African-American head coaches. Um, and I think that it, like that's the general attitude is like, let's, let's add to that. Uh, let's break another barrier for Boston in terms of being able to kind of um, um, do something that no one has done around the league. And I think that could be Kara Lawson. Um, I feel like Kara Lawson is the, the primary candidate. Um, she was a coach with the Celtics for a few years and every single player that spoke about her said that she like just was an encyclopedia of basketball and was incredibly relatable and a great leader. Um, she seemed really, really um, not fiery, but whatever the preferred ad- adjective is over that. Um, and I think that, like, I personally think, let, let's give that a go. But obviously, I'm not Brad Stevens. I'm not doing the hiring. Um, and then second, my second uh, candidate would be the guy that's currently at the Nets, which is uh, Imi Odoka. Uh, and my pro- my kind of main reason for that, obviously, he's, got, he's, he's a long history around the league. He played for the Lakers, the Knicks, the Blazers, Spurs, Kings. Um but it has nothing to do with basketball and just mainly the fact that he's incredibly handsome. Yeah, incredibly uh, good-looking uh, wife as well, Nia Long, if uh, you remember her from the Friday films and uh, several other films. Uh, A teenage crush uh, of mine, if you will. <laughs> you know what? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and that just adds to his um, candidacy. He is a very and handsome now, man, I will admit. He is, I've got to say, he would, I mean, at least would be top of the league for something. Yeah. Now he's, as you say, he's sort of sat on the bench at the Spurs, Sixers, and obviously now the Nets. And uh, definitely seems he's prime for sort of one of these top jobs sooner or later. And mm. as are sort of Teresa Weatherspoon, Carla Lawson, or Becky Hammond, and um, sort mm-hmm. of female coaches, it, it definitely feels like it's going to be sooner rather than later, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. um, then we get a female coach in the league. Yeah. It's funny you say, you kind of mentioned about sort of just watching the playoffs over the last sort of week or so and um, watching these guys like Ben Simmons and stuff and obviously coming with a lot of criticism from the media rightly or wrongly mm-hmm. um, you know for being awarded these big contracts and kind of being told they're everything at a very young age without actually mm-hmm. proving anything do you think that's sort of an issue in the NBA now in this so- so social media age and stuff you know the likes of sort of Ben Simmons and sort of I don't know Cal Kuzma if you, if you will because he plays for the Lakers mm-hmm. do you think they these players probably feel like they've made it without actually sort of adding to the games and improving somewhat? Or do you you just think that's something that the media used to sort of beat them down with? I I, um, I disagree with that because like like we're just talking about, Jalen Brown is an incredibly impressive man. How he spends his time and how he focuses his energy and his attention and the things he draws attention to. And he's had exactly a similar experience to those guys. I think... I think there's some. I think there's always going to be dicks and people who aren't. And I think a measure of a man is how quick you are to agree with praise that comes your way, without yeah. questioning it. And I, I think, um, 
that will be the big downfall for Simmons. How heartily he agreed and filled that role of I am that without ever backing it up properly. Mm. I think it's a double-edged sword. I think that, you know, um, social media has had an effect on both. You know, everyone's creating personal brands. Um, and yes, they absolutely, I mean, they celebrate this, these athletes. And that's a great thing. You know, it's incredible that these people are in the, you know, the absolute kind of smallest percentile of athletes who have been able to get to this position. You know, they have truly won life. You know, they are in the position where, they have made it. Um, but the buy-in thing is the biggest challenge I think that players do face, as you suggested. I think that um, you were seeing that across all sports. It's not just basketball. And in fact, to be to date the podcast, apologies if it's not coming out tonight, England are playing. I think that, you know, the biggest reason that England sticking, are sticking with Gareth Southgate is because he appears to be able to act as something of a kind of lunch lady with them and just like, make sure everything's harmonious and nice and they are they don't hate each other and we appear to be together in this etc um so i think that that is part of it just like pure man management um but uh, as you said it's nothing new that athletes um are told that they're great from day one and there will always be dicks uh, but they ne- just never used to have kind of instagram accounts yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's, it's obviously it's a case by case basis as well. It's just I, I feel like a lot of the ex pros, like your Barclays and stuff on these TNT shows, which you know I don't pay a great meal of mind to. They they kind of seem to get on these young guys if they're not improving their game or showing marked improvement year by Can year. Can you which, imagine what Charles you know. Barkley would have been like if he had access to social media <laughs> in like nineteen eighty seven, nineteen eighty eight? Uh, you, you would have seen the chaos that he would have wreaked. Or just if everybody had cameras in their pockets yes. when you had yeah, Barclay. Exactly. All the fights, the bar fights we would have seen. If, if people had mobile phones when I used to go out nightclubbing, I think I'd be in prison by now. Yeah, there's, so. there's a lot of players <laughs> who use a, a very hefty wedge of a double standard to, to talk about players these days. Yeah. But when you consider that... Um, like I, I think it's similar with football. Is that like it, you can't be an alcoholic and perform at that level anymore. No, you know I mean? no. To, to get or to smoke at half time. Yeah, to be at that level, you have to dedicate yourself and make loads of sacrifices from a mm. very young age whilst your friends are starting to go out and party and stuff. And anybody who achieves that level in any sport has gone through a level of dedication and commitment and sacrifice that well, I've not been able to do, evidently in my life yeah. and neither will most of us it's, yeah. it's, it's I, I actually have but uh, i just chose not to be in the league <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it's um sorry, sorry to, to go on a complete rant but um you just mentioned about the kind of panel shows um and i've just seen i'm not sure if you i'm sure you guys have seen it on twitter today that uh stephen a smith was declaring that devon booker was the next kobe bryant um and it all just needs to stop, doesn't it? I mean, I know that it won't, and the algorithm will keep pushing these videos up um, to, you know, as soon as we kind of turn our phone on in the morning and check it, we're going to see these these clips where kids on TikTok are being convinced that following basketball means one thing that we never used to know it as. And that is just kind of 
making these statements and removing all complexity and nuance to basketball discourse and making it a kind of endless cycle of binary comparisons for the purpose of clicks and memes. And I'm really, really, really sick of it. And I'm going to go ahead and say it's kind of damaging and diminishing my enthusiasm for following the NBA at the moment. Just don't follow. That's all you need to do. Just don't, I, I don't get involved in it. But who do I unfollow? Like everyone, know. because everyone's sharing it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I hate it. It's, every, it's like you say, it's every day, isn't it? Who's the greatest? Who's the best? It's just, it's just, it's so pointless. It's um... and and the worst part of it is, it absolutely sucks me in every time because, <laughs> because I'm not going to lie. Did I pull up the basketball references of Devin Booker and Kobe Bryant? Yes, of course I did. <laughs> and yes, of course. Kobe Bryant was, respectfully, it's not a comparison because Kobe Bryant was averaging 37 and 6 when he was Devin Booker's age. So let's not continue to be stupid. It's getting sick and I've had enough of it. Uh, Even if this reaches one or two listeners from this conversation today, I'm glad that they've heard me say that. Gav gets drawn in by it. I keep telling him that too. I love it. I I have a theory that we're... We're like five years away from the era of the of the interrobang, when, uh, when 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 an exclamation mark or a double exclamation mark at the end of your video or your tweet like link is just not enough to suck people in anymore, and we have to yeah. take a whole new grammatical angle. Yeah, what's the next step after interrobang? I don't know. I think we're going to be making up new symbols for this. It's moving quickly. It's There's moving. There's a few glitches quickly. in the matrix. The other one is from and f- from and form. I would suggest that emojis have maybe even surpassed the requirement for an interrobang. That's true. That's potentially yeah. true. We're already too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah I don't um, bringing it back to basketball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> stylistically, what have you made of the playoffs? Obviously, it's great to have these sort of unfancied teams making it to the conference finals and stuff. But um, I just, personally, I think it's just been a, a bit of a return to the sort of era of the point guard and stuff, just watching sort of Chris Paul dominate a game as opposed to, you know, I, I don't really mean to keep going on about Ben Simmons, but these these hybrid point guards or your James Hardens of the world who are, you know, it's nice to just see, I think Gav mentioned on the last podcast that he liked Phoenix because they look like a basketball team. There's a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward, a centre. Mm. You know, like yeah. you, you used to build a game on, sort of, you know, 2K or whatever. Um that's a good point. Uh, I feel the, the same way about Utah. Yeah, like exactly. And obviously, they blew it and stuff. But um, it's nicer just to see, you know, Devin, watching Devin Booker on Sunday night just pulling up and killing people from mid-range, <laughs> you know, four times down the floor and stuff. Um, it's been quite refreshing in that way. I don't know how you feel. It's... Yeah, I agree. I, I, and I, I really like your point about, like, um, we kind of fell in love with the idea of, um, versatility. Yeah, new, positionless basketball, uniforms. if you will, and all that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, what it comes down to, though, is that like that doesn't mean that roles are pointless. And like we all need, every good basketball team needs the guy that is going to have the ball in his hands more than you know most of the guys on his team put together. Uh, and if that guy is Chris Paul and he can make plays in his sleep, then that matters. And that's why he went and exceeded expectations in Oklahoma last year. And now he's done the same in Phoenix to like an altogether new level. Um, it, I think it's been a joy to watch. And I, f- I think that the positive shift in enjoyable um, on-court product that you've spoken about in kind of recent weeks, 
I think the Suns completely embody that. And I think that yeah. they've been an absolute joy to watch. Even even Suns in four guy, I've loved him. Yeah, it's weird because I, I don't really I didn't really catch much of Atlanta or Phoenix during the regular season. I'm sure Gav didn't either. So we never really knew. Phoenix. Sort of, yeah, yeah. I, I never really knew what to make of the sort of regular season record and stuff. So it's been a real eye opener these players. And I've really enjoyed it from that yeah. kind of point of view. Like, on other end of the scale, I've, if I have to watch any more of Milwaukee's whole half court offense, I might fucking oh gouge my, my eyes out. It's just absolutely painful uh, watching at times. I mean, they fluked it past New Jersey. You know, thanks to injuries and stuff, but it's not been pretty uh, by any stretch, is it? And they may well well end up winning the title. You know, they so, seemingly yeah. just got there through force. Yeah, uh, you know, and uh, and and attitude, um, and obviously the injuries that favoured them. Yeah. Um, they they do seeming they have been the kind of antithesis of the um, uh, sexy product we've been watching elsewhere. Um, but and uh, and that's some of the bad coaching. I mean. But Budenholzer's decision making has been seemingly really, really poor yeah. at times. I think if uh, if they'd have lost that game, he'd be gone by now. Yeah, that's for sure. Definitely. And uh, and he may end up winning the title now. So it's such a fine line, obviously, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's. Um, I know I'm biased, but um, can we watch the Warriors again? Being fun, that, that was fun. And uh... <laughs> oh, they, yeah, they will be. I mean, they will be. Yeah. Um, what's your sort of? Viewing schedule like, um, did you usually sort of get up and watch all the Boston games sort of live when they were in the playoffs and stuff? In the playoffs, yeah. yeah. Um, and in, in kind of like the marquee fixtures, I will. Um, I'm not what I used to be in terms of staying up at night. You know, <laughs> uh, I've, I've not got that kind of schedule anymore. And we can all attest to being a, you know, a struggling basketball fan in the UK. Um, but I would watch every one first thing in the morning and avoid all media. Um, so that's generally what I do, unless it's like a big one, such as the playoffs. And in fact, I will go around my friend's house for the playoffs, uh, regardless of tip-off time, and we would watch it on the big screen. Yeah, I was saying to Gav on the last pod, I was actually quite glad the Warriors got knocked out, sort of, in the playing. Because, uh, <laughs> your sleep. I'm a man of my age. I, just, I can't yeah. be getting them put three in the morning shouting on the TV <laughs> and uh, waking the family up and stuff. So, uh, from that viewpoint, it's been quite nice not having to, so I'm just catching up in the mornings as you yeah. and stuff. So. Oh, sleep's important. It is, very much so. Um, yeah, that's what all these high-end athletes would tell you. Yeah. Um, are you? Will you be uh, rolling out the red carpet for the Horfords then? I'm sure you'll be getting uh, into it on uh, on Twitter again with uh, Al's sister and whatnot. Are, are yeah, she's she, she, uh, yeah, spoken to her. Spoken to her about it. She's. Uh, I've got her coming on a podcast um, in, a oh, few, really? in a few weeks. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, big, big Have fan. you had it on before? Yeah, loads of times. Oh, I must yeah. Have missed that. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I, I also spoke to her about live music for a podcast oh, as well. Okay. So that was, uh, uh, but anyway, yeah. So um, it's good to have the Horfords back. Uh, I love Al. Um, in fact, my girlfriend uh, left this sound. That was a weird segue. It sounded like I was going to say something strange. Um, but no, she, she, I, I from the TD, TD Garden. I got a, I got her. Uh, one of these those kind of plush teddies, uh, and it was a Horford forty two one because she loved his eyes, as many basketball fans are obsessed <laughs> with our Horford's eyes. Um, and when he returned, she went away for the week this week, um, and she left our Horford's 
teddy on my pillow <laughs> and that so yeah there, there we go that kind of entails my affection towards Al Horford and I'm very good to have him back it's <laughs> a beautiful thing it's a beautiful about, thing how about Al though I mean I've just I've, ne- I've never seen a scenario where a team has traded for a player who was not 12 months ago like whoo glad to be out of there you think that was more yeah. a Kyrie thing or a Boston thing? There. Well, you've never seen some uh, a team trade back for someone. What was the second part? Someone who would who would not twelve months ago made public noises about being glad to get out of there. It was a couple of years back, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he seemingly made. I, I mean, I, I know that he said that there was dysfunction, but I don't necessarily that speak. You know, think that speaks for the organization. And probably not for Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Um, I, I would say that some of the characters that were in this in the squad. At the time, I mean, let's just say we know that Kyrie is difficult unless the circumstances exactly match what he is looking for, and that's fine. Um, and I think that the Morrises maybe were kind of quite um, their, their relationship with some other players were quite tumultuous. Uh, but but fractious lads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but um, I I think that ultimately it was like fair enough. He left. Um, he, we. It's the funniest part of it is that the reason it was like fair enough. Go. I'm sad that it's the Sixers, but go. You should go get paid um, because Boston aren't going to pay him that money, and now they're paying him the back end of that money. <laughs> it's quite amusing. Were you happy to see the Brooklyn thing fail? Just out of spite. <laughs> uh, let's just, as we're being frank here, yes, of course I was. <laughs> um, I absolutely wanted anyone but them to win the title. Uh, that might have extended to the Lakers, but that's a very difficult conversation to have. Um, yes, uh, I was. Um, I've really enjoyed the... I've been really, really milking the quote from Kyrie Irving a, um, a couple of months ago uh, when he said that, you know, 10, 15 down, years down the line, uh, they're going to finally give us the credit that we deserve for the vision that we had putting this team together. Um, I've really, really, really been milking that because I thought that was one of the most hilarious quotes when you haven't even played a playoff game together yet. Um, never mind created a legacy or a dynasty of any sort. Um, I have been loving it. I've been loving to see what has happened with the vision they had, that expert vision of putting two MVPs together on the team and uh, an elite point guard. That is elite level vision. And also living in Brooklyn is a key part of it, of course. So, yes, I'm glad the vision wasn't realised this year. Yes, they might contend next year, but I'll wait and see. Um, and then 10, 15 years down the line, I'll see if I'm going to give them the credit they obviously deserve. Yeah, I think James Harden could eat himself out of the league by then, to be honest. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? James Harden, who up until, not especially, but compared to the other two um, of those three, his, his health track record is incredible. Because, yeah, yeah. Both Kyrie and, uh, and Kevin Durant have had the sort of injuries that would make you go no on a yeah. long-term deal. Yeah, summer in New York though. I think he's going to return in shape. What do you think? I I don't think he's ever really been in shape. So mm. to like no. one season he was. Well. Yeah, 
first, I mean, the first Chris Paul season, I think that was about first it. Houston season, maybe when he was like, "Fuck you, I'll show you." I mean, it is it is crazy because obviously the way he played himself out of Houston and turned up basically looking like he'd put a fat suit on, which I actually have not past possibility because it genuinely the way he transformed when he was in Brooklyn was absolutely mental. Um, uh, I do think that like. He is the perfect NBA supervillain, of course, and, and Kyrie's obviously got his detractors. Um, but it, it genuinely was incredible to watch Durant hobble around to the point of like a historic basketball performance. Um, so whilst he is also a complete internet cornball, uh, <laughs> I really I really enjoyed watching uh, Durant kind of try and pull his team over the edge. And basically... Um, do like a do like a more heroic thing of what he was often trying to do in Oklahoma. Yeah, it was very entertaining. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Josh, thanks for joining us. Remind everyone where we can hear you and uh, read you and uh, follow you and whatnot. Okay, so I've been pretty inactive in my writing, but you can read everything I've done over at DoubleClutch.uk. Search my name. Why not? Um, I also do a couple of... Uh, I, I randomly appear on a podcast called Eyes on the Ball. Uh, I do a podcast called The Garden Party, which, as you'll hear from this conversation, is, uh, is you know, I'm a Celtics fan, and it's Celtic, uh, Celtics-based UK podcast. Um, and Who's on that me- with you? Is that just you, or...? It's uh, Nathan uh, Mundy. He's from. Um, he, I believe he goes by the moniker the Boston Brit. But oh, okay, um, yeah, I've, I've, that guy. Yeah, yeah. I've told him a few times that um, you know I've been around too long to not be the Boston <laughs> Brit. Um, so yeah, that, and follow me at Poundcoin on social media. Fantastic. Uh, I take it you're off to watch the England match. I am. Um, I've just taken my top off um, and kind of. <laughs> Uh, tattooed three lines on my chest um and yes i'm ready to go get seriously leery just be careful you can get locked up for telling people you're english nowadays so. <laughs> pc brigade will get you and whatnot, well, so. well, well well you can get locked away in jail <laughs> apparently yeah. so for telling people you're english england so. <laughs> we could go on for 10 minutes <laughs> but we probably won't nobody would understand unless they've seen that clip yeah exactly um you're a legend. Thanks for joining us. And um, mm. sorry it's been so long, but um, we will endeavour to catch up uh, a bit sooner in the near future. Anytime, man. And Anytime. Uh, enjoy the rest of the playoffs and the finals and whatnot. And um, yeah, we'll see you soon. Okay, cheers, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks, mate. One. Thanks, man. Cheers, Bye-bye. Josh. Right, um, what have we got coming up? Phoenix, Clippers, game two, and then it would be the Hawks and the Bucks. Um, 
I think that was quite an unfair turnaround for the Clippers, I thought. Not yeah, yeah, they were just straight Clippers. in there. Yeah, after Utah, it was like, right, you've got fucking Phoenix on Sunday. I'd it's watched like, the I... game one of that yeah, series yeah, yeah. before like, I'd what? watched the game. Yeah, yeah. Before I'd watched the, the game seven. Yeah, that was a bit fucking nuts. That's weird NBA scheduling. But uh, yeah, Atlanta in the conference finals is fucking nuts. Uh, yeah. Dominique Wilkins will be having a lovely old time on the local broadcast, I'm sure. Hmm. But um, yeah, more Trey Young, which I, I didn't think would be. So it might be a bit like the Blazers making the last, but yeah, it could be. Uh, it could be a four now because I, th- I just think Milwaukee probably got too much defensively. Um, I think you might get a gentleman's sweep. Hopefully, um, be nice. I mean, underrated that um, they won three games on the road. The Hawks. They did against Philly. Yeah, Philly. Which means yeah. they lost. Yeah. And all their uh, home I think games. they they won two in New York as well. Which means they lost all their home games in that series. Yeah, which is uh, which is a very strange record to be having. Yeah, the fucking Philly fans. But Jesus. what does that tell you though? Maybe they thrive in a mm. different environment. Where Trey Young definitely those. seems to. Oh yeah, I fucking love it. Bogdanovich doesn't look like he's fucking bothered about anything. It looks like he'd fucking stab you. In yeah, Bogdanovich. That's a name from a part of the world which is not. Not a decade <laughs> or two removed from yeah. ethnic cleansing. Legitimately happen, if you know what I mean. Like, ooh. Danilo Gallinari doesn't look like he gives a fuck either. No. Dude's like a fuck. He's earned like a quarter of a billion dollars and been <laughs> fucking shagging supermodels since he was 18. He's like, I want no to come on. It's all free money at this point. Isn't it? So, yeah. The Schlankster, we salute you. <laughs> no, I'm not doing we that. We doubted you. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'll give you a half salute. I'll give you an applause. I'll give yeah. you that. Mrs. Strickland. Um, I'll give you an applause. Uh, Gavin, on that bombshell. 100th episode. God oh, knows fucking how. But um, yeah, here we are. Um, yeah, until next time, check us out in all the usual places. Um, thanks to Josh Coyne for popping on with us. And um, we'll see you next time. Peace out. Number one competition is none. Number one competition is none. Number one competition is none.